Well, I guess I broke tradition. This is not a New Year's Eve show. And really isn't a New Year's Day either. But it's close enough to New Year's Day. But I'm going to call it that. New Year's Day 2023. And welcome to the first New Directions podcast for 2023. We're going to take a moment for this show to... Remember those that have passed on over the course of this past year. With the help from the folks from Sunday Morning, the CBS Sunday Morning Show. And I have a special tribute that I wanted to make, and I'll wait for the second segment to do that. Because that tribute is for someone who's been very special to me for a very, very long time. So we'll do some hail and farewell for this edition, and... Also look ahead to what I'll be talking with you about over the next few weeks here on the New Directions Podcast. We'll get everything underway on this first edition of the new year right after this. For those of you who like a good cookie, may I suggest a place to you. This is Terry Runyon from the New Directions Podcast, here to talk about the Crumble Cookie Company. Located in North Kansas City, they make several different kinds of cookies each and every day, and they sell them in different packs also. I had a chance recently to try a chocolate chip cookie from there. Oh my gosh, it was so, so good. Next time you're in the area, I invite you to stop by the Crumble Cookie Company. Try one of them out for yourself. Buy a few packs for your friends, buy them for Christmas gifts, however you want to do it. These could be some of the best cookies you have ever had. You might even if you so chose, wanted to bring some milk along. The Crumble Cookie Company. Very, very good stuff. I'm going to take a moment to catch up on a New Year's Eve bit of business, you might say. The Sunday morning broadcast for their last broadcast of the year has always taken time to remember those who are no longer with us. This year, no exception. I don't know how big the list is. Some of them I might have even featured here on this broadcast. If they come up on this list, I'll mention them. But Jane Pauley's about to introduce contributor Lee Cowan, who will help us remember those who are no longer with us. Segment called Hail and Farewell. To those we lost in the months gone by, we've asked Lee Cowan to help us celebrate their lives. If you wanted the sky, I would ride across the sky in letters that would soar a thousand feet high to serve 
His class, his style, and his grace made Sidney Poitier extraordinary among actors. There's a good angel looking after me somewhere. But also a model of social consciousness. I didn't make this one. It was handed to me exactly like it is. Every role he played. They call me Mr. Tibbs. He pushed past the boundaries of what society would allow back then. When the studio came to me, I said, if he slaps me, I'm going to slap him back. Say, last night, about midnight. Blacks had been going to the movies ever since its inception. They saw themselves rarely, and when they did see themselves, more often than not, they didn't particularly walk away from the theater with much pride or much sense of personal dignity. I give you a bill. You pay me. He broke so many barriers. He was the first black actor to win an Oscar in a leading role. It is a long journey to this moment. Sidney Poitier was 94. We lost another champion, the great Bill Russell. The Boston Celtic was perhaps best known for his prowess on the basketball court, but he too fought passionately for equality and inclusion. He marched with King and stood by Ali. When the restaurant refused to serve the black Celtics, he refused to play in the scheduled game. He left us at 88. Another sports legend we lost was so good, he was known by only one name. Pele. He helped transform the sport of soccer, or football. He played it better than any. He was 82. What a marvelous moment for the country and the world. A black man is getting a standing ovation in the Deep South for breaking a record of an all-time baseball idol. With that one call, Dodger announcer Vince Scully summed up a nation's simmering racial tensions. Almost 70 years, he was baseball's poet. They are trending, twittering, tweeting. The game won't be the same without him. How do you play? <laughs> Virginia McLaurin lived to see so very much. She was 113 when she died. You want to say hi, Michelle? Yeah! A sharecropper's daughter, she lived long enough to dance with the Obamas at the White House. In July of 1941, five young Negroes made aviation history at Tuskegee, Alabama. Those who experienced injustice at home helped their country fight it overseas. We were just as interested in supporting that effort as anybody else at that time. Charles McGee was one of the last surviving members of the Tuskegee Airmen. He died quietly at 102. They were in a commercial, which didn't last very long. Drinking warm water before bed fixes tooth and gum problems overnight. Well, they're still People looking at it, so that's what we'll do. And now we return. By contrast, Queen Elizabeth's death was announced to the world. She was the longest reigning monarch in British history. 70 years on the throne. Her sense of duty reigned supreme. <laughs> so did her dry wit. Oh, really? Please. 
We talked about Loretta on this broadcast. In this country, we lost a queen of our own, Loretta Lynn. That tells a story of my life. Everything you hear in that, that song is true. Did Nashville try to change you at all? Well, everybody tried to learn me how to talk. I told them it was a waste of their time. I've been talking this way all my life. Forgive me. It'll be over my dead body, so get out while you can. Cause you ain't woman enough to take my man. Her hearty world roots present. A true coal miner's daughter. Meatloaf was certainly himself too. Marvin Lee a day had a sound all his own. His Bat Out of Hell album showed that rock music could also be operatic. Meatloaf left us at 74. Joanna Simon was true opera, but she was also the sister of pop star Carly Simon. The two of them, along with their other sister, Lucy, all became singer-songwriters. Well, I was very sophisticated, and Lucy was sort of an angel. She was very sweet and overly good, and Carly was the character. Tragically for the Simon family, the day after Joanna died, her sister Lucy died as well, leaving their early trio now down to just one. Bonnie Spector was one of a trio, too, as lead singer of the Ronettes. That song helped define the 60s and a decade of music that culminated in Woodstock. The music festival was co-created by concert promoter Michael Lang. How long did it take you to put it together? Working on it for about nine months. Those three days in the summer of 1969 summed up a generation's hopes and fears. MASH tapped into some of those same frustrations. Only instead of Vietnam, it was set during the Korean War. In other words, goodbye. It's not goodbye. It is goodbye. Say goodbye. What's the big deal? Just say goodbye. Lost Bert Metcalf, who produced the very last episode of MASH, which to this day holds the record for the most watched finale on television. Lots of people write and say, I never know from week to week whether you're going to make me laugh or cry. I can't imagine what this place would have been like if I hadn't found you here. Because that's what life is about. Life is, is laughter and sorrow. So why can't you do both? Hogan's heroes found humor in perhaps the most unlikely place of all a prisoner of war camp in Germany. Robert Clary played the funny Frenchman Corporal LeBeau. The captains, they should be in bed. Everybody should be asleep so that they can count the... <laughs> but he had a very serious side. I am a survivor of the Jewish Holocaust. It wasn't until decades later that Clary revealed that he himself survived 31 months in concentration camps. There are some people in this world right now denying what happened, and we cannot let them tell those lies. It's very important to teach those young kids who did happen. Do not forget. Sadly, the number of those who lived through those horrors is dwindling. Take Hannah Pitt. She was one of Anne Frank's best friends. She lived to the age of 93. Ilsa Schoen and her sister Ruth 
survived the camps together, and they died together, just days apart. Happy New Year, Michael's Rewards members. You scored. Another commercial. <clears throat> the list didn't used to be this long. But they've expanded a lot of it. And I do mean a lot. To win against the Nazi regime. But Steven Spielberg Schindler's List gave us at least a glimpse. Mimi Reinhardt was the real-life secretary that typed up the names on that list, mostly Polish-Jewish refugees. She lived to be 107. How could you? How could I what? You were making out during Schindler's List? <laughs> Two of our beloved TV shows suffered losses. Liz Sheridan, who played Jerry Seinfeld's mom, left us this past year doesn't like you. How could anyone not like you? You know, I was thinking today. I never liked those Seinfelds anyway. He's an idiot altogether. And we also lost Estelle Harris, who played George Costanza's mom. I go out for a quart of milk. I come home and find my son treating his body like it was an amusement park. <laughs> they were both 93. Look at that. I'm gorgeous and sexy. <laughs> And dead as a doornail. <laughs> what? You're in the obituaries. Oh. Cheers lost a member of its family, too. Kirstie Allen, who played Rebecca Howe for so many years. The days that I had here, Cheers, were the, they're the best days of my life. Don't touch me! Don't, just don't touch me! I'll just we'll have this baby without you! She also played Molly, opposite John Travolta in Look Who's Talking. Uh, coffee regular. Uh, you know, that's breast milk. Travolta called their relationship special, just like the one he had with another co-star he lost, Olivia Newton-John. Sandy, tell me about it. Stop. We talked about Olivia on the show one of the too. Highest-grossing movie musicals ever. If you love me, let me Even go. featured that song. If you don't, let me go. And in the 70s and 80s. John herself became a legend. She very bravely and publicly battled cancer in her final years, showing us all a dignified and thoughtful end. After time, I think, you know what? I don't know what my time is, but I need to enjoy my life, so I'm going to eat a cookie if I want And I'm going to have a cup of tea if I want it. And if I want to have a little bit of wine, I'm going to do that, because the joy of life and everyday living has to be a part of that healing process as well. This one was the heartbreaking one. Why, Nona, we talked about on Mother's Day. Who took her own life just a day before she and her daughter were to be inducted into the country music hall. Naomi, I'm sorry. Do you still feel I do. I do. I feel her nudging me. And sometimes I laugh. And sometimes I say, I really miss you. Why aren't you here so we can argue? Really? Yeah. Cher lost her mom, too. Georgia Holt. Like her daughter, she's a singer, a model, and an actress in her own right. In grief, maybe that's the greatest honor we can give. 
to remember the happiest moments. Not the sad ones. I agree with that. There was no yesterday for those involved in the fashion industry, like Andre Leon Tal, the pioneering editor at Vogue, who was always looking, hopefully, forward. And Vivian Westwood, who helped shape our view of the punk movement with style and attitude, a world decidedly breaking with the traditions of old. There was no subculture in Leave it to Beaver, but fans who loved it are mourning the loss of Tony Dad, who played Wally Cleveland. It was America's big brother who guided Beaver when Ward, their dad, wasn't around to do it himself. Hi, Wally. Speaking of dads, how can we forget Jim Redmond, who rushed onto the racetrack after his son Derek pulled a hamstring in the 1992 Olympics? They finished the 400 meter arm in arm. When Taylor Hawkins, the legendary drummer for the band Foo Fighters, died at only 50 this year, it was his son Shane who played the drums in his father's stick. You girls are the greatest. I must be the luckiest dad in the whole world. Bob Saget was perhaps best known as a TV dad. I'm the only television father left that you can trust. That's what I'm telling. But live stage comedy was really his passion. One of the nicest guys in the business had a wit that could be pretty sharp. Gilbert, you have the delivery of someone who's just been pepper sprayed. Seriously. Look at you. Remember Gilbert Gottfried? I googled Bob Saget and it came back Why? His voice found its way into so many characters we remember. Oh boy, he's cracked. He's gone nuts. Jaffa! Jaffa! Get a grip! Iago, the parrot, was annoying and yet oddly level. He? Perfect for Gottfried's talents. We mustn't look at always. It's ruined. While my question, your upbringing. <laughs> the same was true for Pat Carroll, the voice of the sea witch Ursula. Come on, you poor unfortunate soul! Go ahead, make your choice. I'm a very busy woman, and I haven't got all day. It won't cost much. Just your voice. time. Our kids know Angela Lansbury as the teapot. As it can be. For adults, though, she was Jessica Fletcher. Murder she wrote. Well, good plots are hard to come by, but of course, this one uh, doesn't have an ending. By the sea, where the fish is flashing. But her talents really burst through on Broadway, where she was a six time Tony Award winner. Lansbury was 96. Yet there's the bold, brave spring of the tiger that quickens your walk. Robert Morse took his Broadway stardom and turned it into a film career. And then he re-emerged decades later on television. Bert, the stars in the sky. That's one of the stars of Mad Men, where his character exited with a true flourish. The best things in life are free. <laughs>
lot of them. <clears throat> a lot of them. Some of the names I recognized. I'm talking about them here on the show. And also some others. Scotsman who embodied that half-giant left us at 72. What kind of human being would I be if I couldn't wring joy from a dear friend's misery? <laughs> but sometimes giants can be diminutive in stature. I've never witnessed such inappropriate behavior. And that's certainly the case for Leslie Jordan, who lost him at only 67. I'm going to go put in a Magnum P.I. rerun to get in the mood. <laughs> While we're on the topic of Magnum P.I., we lost Roger Mosley this past year. He left us at 83. For fans of 80s and 90s stardom, it was an especially sad year. We lost Ivan Reitman, the director of a host of fan favorites, and Joe Turkle, the congenial but creepy bartender in The Shining. Your money's no good here. One of the biggest mob movies of the 90s lost two of its stars. As far back as I can remember, I always wanted to be a gangster. Ray Liotta and Paul Servino, both good fellows. But when it came to mob hits, Sonny Corleone's demise of The Godfather required actor James Caan to be rigged with a lot of tiny explosives. On me, I had 147. Around the toll booth, 5,000. You scared? A little, but there were girls on the set, and I had to do it. <laughs> Farewell to him, and all those who cheered on screens, large and small. When my time comes, tell me, will I stand up? Louise Fletcher. I was just an unindicted Philip Baker Hall. Like everybody else. Well, I also take this opportunity to suggest... Dan Hatch. I admit enough. Hatch, I guess. All the good movies have been made. Peter Bogdanovich. Welcome, Bienvenido. Welcome to the party. But I don't like the feeling that I'm pretending to be a reporter. I think I can pick up something visual. A news using a system I think they once called video. Television was the colloquial term. Put it on the screen. Those of us who really work in broadcasting have been mourning our own this past year. David Small, longtime Sunday morning editor. Talented producer Diane Renault. Michael Hoppy Hopkins, the man in charge of CBS Logistics. Victor Paganuzzi, who designed our Sunday morning set. Lenny Mancini, who told everyone how to light it. And Robin Metz, who created so many of our beloved sons. In an interview which the Washington Post reported, our own Bill Plank covered the White House for CBS for more than half a century. He was family here. I'm Bill Plant. I hope you'll join us here again next Sunday morning. A couple days ago, our UPS driver delivered a fruitcake to us. We'll certainly miss humorous Roger Welch, who sent us his postcards from Nebraska. What's important about fishing is not so much the fish, but the fishing. These are just a few of our friends, on camera and off, 
who helped to lovingly find in almost everything a story to tell. What has drawn me to my subjects has been the story of that individual and what we can learn from it. We lost history storyteller too, David McCullough, whose writing and his voice enlightened us on the lessons of our past. One of those lessons is to never repeat this again. The internment of Japanese Americans during World War II. Norman Mineta was one of them. Hi, this is Secretary Mineta from the Department of Transportation. Governor, how are you doing? He went on to become the first Asian American cabinet secretary. And he helped get the U.S. to formally apologize to Japanese Americans for their mistreatment. We lost other world leaders, too like Secretary of State Madeleine Albright, who was nothing if not to the point. Frankly, this is not cojones. This is cowardice. We lost conservative Utah Senator Orrin Hatch, the longest-serving Republican in that chamber, and Shinzo Abe, the longest-serving Japanese Prime Minister, and Mikhail Gorbachev, the last president of the Soviet Union, who helped end the Cold War. There are so many we failed to mention. Out of nowhere came Franco Harris, riding a white stallion, heading up Franco's Italian army. The miraculous, like Pittsburgh Steeler Franco Harris, known for his immaculate reception. Jerry Lee Lewis, who we talked about. Jerry Lee Lewis, who in the early days of rock and roll, lived up to his nickname, The Killer. As I walk through the valley of the shadow of the groundbreaking, like Coolio. And the voice of some of the 80s biggest movie hits, Irene Carroll. If your life was bad to But we thought we'd end with Christine McVie, the Fleetwood Mac hitmaker who reminded us that yesterday is indeed gone. The point is to think about tomorrow. This past year, he bid a fond hail and farewell. A lot of names. And there were two more names that I can add also. One of those names was Barbara Walters, who we lost at age 94. Another name I'm going to save for the next segment. Because it's going to take a segment to really talk about it. I'll be right back on the other side of this break. Life gets busy. Doing giving, helping, teaching, showing up, loving, caring. It's easy to run on fumes. But you must remember to fuel your own heart. Your dreams, your passions, your health, you. Because you cannot give if you are empty. You matter too. There is one more 
hail and farewell that I feel moved to share at this point. There was a gentleman that had been my first guest when I got back into internet radio in 2018. He had written a book, which I do own. He had been a very special, special part of a little boy's life. But unfortunately, a bad thing happened to a very good person. And I'd like to share some encouragement, you might say, to this very this very special person. It's under the heading of, you passed it on for years, and it's our turn to pass it back. One summer afternoon in the mid-1970s, you made a little boy smile. You hosted a remote at Olathe Ford, as you called it, the Big O, and you showcased a lot of cars. When the little boy grew up and could drive, his first car was from the Big O. At the same time, you loved your cherry mash bars. They were constant prizes on bowling for dollars. You'd give away 24 at one time and 60 at another. And at the same time, you made a little boy smile. I have it on good authority that I can tell you this little boy loved them. And still does to this day. When this little boy grew up to the age he is now, he came across some hard times. But when he connected with you on Facebook, he felt young again, thanks to you. When you smile, it comes natural. You are definitely a kid at heart. Okay, no more third person. That little boy was me. Now you know the rest of that story. When I heard about what happened to Jane, it was heartbreaking. I'm so sorry about what happened. Bad things shouldn't happen to good people. And you are one of the good ones. Thank you for being my first radio show guest. And whenever you'd like to come on my podcast, the door is open. Prayers are up for you and your family. Please don't forget the friends that loved you. You started spreading the love around years ago, and it's time for us to spread it back. I had crossed paths with Gary Lezak about a day or two ago, and I had mentioned a piece that I had had when he interviewed Fred. It was Fred Brosky's wife, Jane, that had passed on this past Christmas. I'm sorry to be the one to have to tell you. But this is a piece bringing two friends together for an afternoon. Here's Gary Lezak and Fred Broski. Everyone, he's a Kansas City legend enjoying his retirement. Gary sat down with longtime weatherman Fred Broski. That is right, guys. Last week, I was honored to be invited over to the Broski household in Overland Park, where we talked about retirement, forecasting, and his career. 
you've heard of breaking news. <laughs> this is breaking news. <laughs> this is Fred Broski, who had a 41-year broadcasting career, many of those spent as a weathercaster at various television stations. Well, it's going to be a big day for KUNU football tomorrow. Biggest day of the year. So this looks like one to two inches of snow. Phone tinging in. Hello. Uh, this is the athletic department, University of Missouri. Uh, I want to talk to this stupid guy just did the weather. I said, you got him on the line right now. He says, do you know that you never predict snow for the MUKU football game? And I said, hey, pal, you take care of the football, I'll take care of the weather. Click. Oh, oh I understand. More on weather forecasting in a minute. First, ah, oh, the smell of barbecue. People say, don't you miss television? Are you kidding me? <laughs> Look at that. That is incredible. The best ribs in Kansas City aren't at Oklahoma Joe's or Gates, but in Fred Broski's backyard. Fred Broski ribs. Who would have known they're the best in town? Over lunch, we had a great conversation about weather and forecasting. But a meteorologist hates to say I missed the forecast. Unless you get a strike. Remember bowling for dollars? Fred was the host of that show for years. But it wasn't really the bowling, it wasn't really the prize fund, it was the people. I say, here, Tom, what's his name, from Armco Steel, there to bowl tonight. And the door slides open, he walks out. He says, hey, Fred, how you doing? I says, Tom, I'm doing good. Are you ready to win the jackpot? He says, hey, Fred, how you doing? Fred has been thoroughly enjoying his retirement. He has been married to Janie for 56 years. And they showed me around their house and the oil paintings that has been a hobby of his for years. Just a creative outlet where you take some colors and put them on a canvas and spread them around. And you get through with it in a few hours and you say, hey, I painted a picture. What an honor to have lunch with Fred and he had more forecasting advice. Just like one of our favorite weather forecasts is generally fair to part of cloudy with a slight chance of precipitation. Right. We got it no matter what happens. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I learned a lot from him. We posted extended clips of my interview with Fred Broski on KSHB.com. We can great. go visit it there. But, you know, I, I, I'd never met him before. And I just feel like, you know, I've got a new friend. Happy New Year, Michael's Rewards members. Hold on here. I think also that I have made not just one friend, but also two. I originally met Gary Lezak when he was the morning man at what is now Fox 4. He lives in Riverside, not too far away, and he'll be a Red X customer I know for a very long time to come, and I'm very glad. And Fred, I am very sorry about what happened to Jane, my friend. Bad things shouldn't happen to good people, and the way I see it, you're one of the good guys. Thank you for being our friend in Kansas City for the years that you were on television, channels 9 and 5. It was a lot of fun. Thank you for everything. We will look ahead to the new year here on the podcast right after this. tell you about a restaurant that 
my wife and I discovered recently that I think more of us ought to try. This is Terry Runyon from the podcast here to tell you about the Hawaiian Brothers restaurant. They specialize in chicken. They also have pulled pork available. There are Hawaiian names for each. And once you get into a place like this, you feel like you're on the islands, although in reality, of course, you're not. The tastes are unbelievable. It's affordable in this day and age. And I'm surprised more people haven't discovered this. So if you're looking for a place to eat sometime, may I recommend to you Hawaiian Brothers, located in North Kansas City on the Missouri side, and in Shawnee, Kansas as well. Next week on the podcast, we're going to spend some time focusing on two amusement parks, one of which I didn't realize had been gone as long as it has been. The other, we'll talk about a ride returning there this coming summer. First segment will be about Opryland, and I am very surprised that they're not there anymore. We'll go into the reasons why in segment number one. Segment number two there was a ride returning to Worlds of Fun. And we will be focusing quite a bit in the second segment about that. Quite frankly, I am very much excited to even share that second segment with you next week. Be sure to join me next week right here on the New Directions podcast. For final thoughts, I had fun listening to Paul Harvey, and I hope you did during the Christmas time. I'll bring him back periodically. Going to bring him back one more time to close things out tonight. There's just one problem with Swan Quarter, North Carolina. It was a lowland town. Naturally, the choicest real estate was on the highest ground. In the event of heavy rain, the closer you were to the sea level, the harder you got hit. A little more than 100 years ago, the Methodists of Swan Quarter had no church. The only lot available on which to build one was a plot of low-lying property on Oyster Creek Road. It was far from an ideal location, but they had acquired the land and construction began. The church was to be white frame, small but sturdy, propped up on brick pilings. In 1876, the building was completed, and on Sunday, September 16, a joyous dedication ceremony was celebrated. Now, that was Sunday, September 16. Three days later, this was on a Wednesday, a terrible storm lashed Swan Quarter. All day, the wind howled, and the rain came down, and it was a a gray wall of water by nightfall devastation. Much of the town was flooded. Many roofs were ripped from homes by cyclonic turbulence. The storm raged on all through the night and into the bleak morning. By Thursday afternoon, the wind had subsided. The rain had all but stopped. For the first time in more than a day, there was an almost eerie calm, and one by one, the citizens of Swan Quarter threw back the shutters and peered out from what was left of their homes and Most saw only a desolate waterscape, a community ravaged by nature. But those within sight of Oyster Creek Road beheld the most incredible sight that they had ever seen. The church, the Swan Quarter Methodist Church, 
the whole building intact was floating down the street. I mean the floodwaters had gently lifted the entire structure from its brick pilings on which it had rested and had sent it off slowly, silently, down Oyster Creek Road. Well, within minutes, several concerned townspeople were sloshing about in the street, waist deep, fighting the rushing current, trying desperately to reach the still moving church so that they could moor it with lengths of rope. And the ropes were fastened, but the effort was in vain. There was no stable structure secure enough to restrain the floating chapel. And as the building passed by, more attention was attracted, so more aid was enlisted, but again, to no avail, the church moved on. By now, the building had made it to the center of town. It's still on Oyster Creek Road. Then as dozens of amazed and helpless people watched, the Swan Quarter Methodist Church, still floating, made a sharp, inexplicable right turn, continued down that road as though the chapel were alive, as though it had a mind of its own. For two more blocks, the townspeople fought the ropes to hold it back, but unsuccessfully, and then in the same decisive manner with which it had moved in the first place, the church veered off the road and headed for the center of a vacant lot, and there it stopped. While the floodwaters receded, the church remained and it is there to this day. Well over a hundred Septembers have passed since the little white frame Methodist Church removed itself to the most desirable property in Swan Quarter, and in the process of making up your own mind as to why and how what happened happened, you need to know this much more. The choice Highland lot where the chapel finally settled, that had been the first choice of the town Methodists. They had wanted that as the site for their church. But the shrewd, prosperous landowner whose property it was had turned them down. And yet the next morning after the flood, after discovering the church in the middle of his lot, that same landowner went to the Methodist minister and with trembling hands presented him with the deed. And now you know the rest of the story. Thank you very much, Paul. And with it's that, that's going to things up Swan Quarter for tonight's edition. Hold on just a second here. Naturally, the choicest real estate. Thank you very much, Paul. That's going to wind things up for tonight's edition of the New Directions Podcast. Thank you for being with me as always. We will go to the roller coasters next time. But to get us out of here, let's start the year, shall we? Charlie, if you please.
Yeah, man.